0: invite you to turn your bibles this morning to the book of hebrews the book of hebrews chapter 10 we're going to look at verses 24 and 25 follow along as i read the bible says and let us provoke or let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching we're going to look today at growing as we gather growing as we gather one of the blessings of gathering is just being with the church family. That's We're going to get into some of the, the foundations of that here in a moment. Uh, one blessing it is to have here is the Buswells. Patty Buswell had uh, her hip worked on a couple, well, a month ago or so now, but good to see you back here. Good to see all of us here today. But well, we've been talking over the past few weeks about uh, growing or first steps of believers. Again, whether you've been saved for five minutes or five years or 500 years, we all need to grow in in the Lord. And so this is very important. We've seen so many times where uh, I've seen Christians who claim to be Christians. They've been saved for 20 years, and they really haven't grown at all. They might come to church, and that's about it. You don't see any measurable growth as, as well. And so, again, how do we begin our life in Jesus? Remember 2 Corinthians 5, 17, If any man or woman be in Christ, they are a new creature. All things are passed away. All things are become new. So we should start our journey with God through these important steps. it be safe to know him, to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To read, read the Bible, but desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. We also talked about prayer and having a pattern of prayer in our lives is so important. Last week, we talked about listening, how to take time to listen to God. And so it's very important. The more we listen to God... The more we love him, the more we love him, the more we obey him. How important it is for us to take time and to stop and to simply listen to the Lord. When you have your time of prayer in the morning, or whatever time of the day you may do it, or scripture reading, let God speak to you. Wait for an answer, okay? Very important that we l- learn to listen. It's a lost art. So today, I want us to look at another important aspect of growth in the spiritual life, and that's growing as we gather this again these things in themselves do not cause us to grow but it promotes the growth in our lives okay just because someone reads the the bible from start to finish you might not see them change after a while but it's allowing that to to really work in your lives so growing as we gather so i want to bring you back to my childhood and maybe your childhood as well there was a little rhyme that i learned when i was little in fact we would do this we'd clasp our hands together interlock it and then we do this. Some of you might know what I'm about to do. There's a little rhyme that goes like this. If you know it, do it with me. I see some of you already trying. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the doors and see all the people. Close the doors. Hear them pray. Open the doors. They all walk away. I don't know if you knew the second part of that, but and you know what? About over half of our church knew that. That means that that's a good foundation. Okay? I remember learning that I, I probably was Wesley's age, I'm sure, when I learned that, maybe even younger. But how important it is for the growth uh, that as, as believers as we gather. So, God's plan for his children is to gather, or as we see here in verse 25, assembling ourselves together is the idea. Okay. So, I kind of have to ask this question. We're talking today really about uh, church attendance. Why is that important? Now, I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on people, but let's honestly look at why we gather together. I think sometimes these are these basic things that we do. Christians are supposed to go to church. Okay, It's expected. All right. I want to say this. Really what we're talking about here is an aspect of discipleship, growth, growing in the Lord, discipleship. But I think a lot of times when churches or sometimes it's at least presented, discipleship is more of assimilation. You assimilate to this church. You do what they say. You wear the same color of clothes. You wear, you sing the exact same song. You have the same exact hymnal. You, you don't, there's a whole cultural list that you do within that church culture. And then you are discipled if you do everything. Okay? If the pastor drives a Ford, you got to drive a Ford. You know, it's kind of like that mentality. If you drive a Chevy, God bless you. Okay? Nonetheless... As you think about this, what does it mean to gather together as a church? But I want to start out with a different question here, and that is this. Why don't some Christians attend church? People claim to be Christians, but yet they don't attend church. You've probably met people like that. Maybe a neighbor or maybe a family member. They say they love church. They even give a profession of faith. Maybe they know the Bible very well, but they don't attend church, or rarely, if at all. Uh, some people are called, we call them priester Christians. You know what priester Christian is? Those who come on Christmas and Easter. Okay. And that's about it. Two times a year, you checked it off. Okay. Hopefully I'll be good enough. Okay. But here, here's some five different reasons. I believe that many, uh, some Christians do not attend church or the gathering. Okay. First of all is uh, discouragement. Maybe they feel alone. Uh, maybe they feel like, you know, when someone comes, they no one talks to them, things like that let me just say this there's a lot of churches that present themselves we say we're a friendly church usually what that means and i'm saying this across the board in christianity usually when they say we're a friendly church that means they're friendly to one another that's usually what it means you're friendly to one another you see your friends you see people you haven't seen all week you get together you drink coffee downstairs you eat whatever snacks are down there you go by the welcome center and you have that little connection time okay But when someone new comes in or someone hasn't seen for a while, you might shake their hand or say welcome, but then you never, you know, you just go the other way. Our family, we have traveled extensively, you know, around the country and some other uh, countries as well, Is speaking at different churches, uh, raising support and all that. I can tell you numerous churches that we went in where, yes, we might talk to the pastor, maybe like a Sunday school director or whatever. But I, I remember one church in particular we were at, Not a single soul talked to us, and I was the main speaker. Seriously, they literally, people lined up, they shook my hand as they went out the door. About 100 people did that. It was a larger church. It was about 250, 300 people. At least 100 people just simply shook my hand and walked out the door. Not even said hello. Folks, that is not good. Let it not be said of this church that we ignore guests when they come in. One thing that we say is this. We don't call them visitors. We call them guests. Why? Visitor, that's like, remember, we said before, we go to a football game on Friday night. The visiting team is over there in those stands. They're not one of us. Also, from the visitor's perspective, there's no obligation for them to, if you visit a store, you're not under any obligation. You can do window shopping. You're not obligated to buy anything. There's no relationship. The word guest implies what? Relationship. If you have a guest to your home, that means you're there to serve. You're serving them. So look at this. One of the reasons we have a welcome center, folks, I'm getting very practical for our church, okay? One of the reasons we have a welcome center is to interact with our guests, to welcome them and to serve them. And you do it as the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. That's why we do it, okay? But let me go back to this. Why don't some Christians attend churches because they're discouraged? Maybe they feel alone. But here's the bottom line, though. If you do feel discouraged, avoiding community at the very time they need it the most. Those who are discouraged avoid community at the very time they need it the most. When you're discouraged, you actually need people. You need the family of God, whether you realize it or not. The second issue, why Christians don't attend church, and maybe it's because of disappointment. Maybe there's a past hurt. Uh, Something happened maybe at that church, things like that. I think another thing, too, is more, probably more so is this, when you think about disappointment, they have unmet expectations. When someone comes to the church, they have expectations. Sometimes when people go for, the, I talked to the maters uh, recently, they're probably watching. Hi, Brian, Diana. Okay. They're looking for a church in San Antonio. And it's a bit of struggle for them. They, they admit it. They've tried to visit a few. I've tried to look up for them in San Antonio. If you have a good connection, help them out. Okay. But, you know, sometimes when you go to another church, especially when you move to Tampa, by the way, I have some good contacts for you down there. All right. Don't leave without talking to me. All right. But nonetheless, when you think about that, you're trying to find a church based on what you've experienced in the past. You're used to that type of preaching, that type of music, that type of fellowship, that type of ministry, whatever it may be. So you have these expectations and you go to another church sometimes. And when those don't get met exactly or you're expecting someone to come to you in the same way as someone else did, sometimes you feel disappointed in that. That's so, Those are some reasons why ch- people don't go to church, okay? Another thing is disinformation. Uh, maybe people are simply just ignorant to the purpose of the church. Like, why would I come to church? To be honest with you, uh, it's like this. We would never think about going to a mosque. It's just not in our mind. We don't think about it. Why would your next door neighbor, for example, think about coming to church? They've grown up their whole life, maybe 50, 60 years, never set foot in church, except maybe for a funeral or a wedding, something like that, or, or Christmas or Easter, but it's not in the, it's just not in their mindset maybe there's a disinformation of what the church is all about. Okay. Um, another thing is distraction. I think in this culture that we're in today, there's a lot of distractions in this world. There's schedules, work. I don't know if you I remember this growing up. I know many of you do the blue laws where things were closed on Sunday. I remember growing up, the only, the only thing open was the gas station. That was it. I remember that clearly. Uh you know, it's interesting if you go to your many countries in Europe today that if you were there like today on Sunday, almost everything's closed on Sunday in Europe. That's still the practice today. Uh when we lived in Israel, of course they've celebrate Shabbat, so on Shabbat, on Sabbath, on Saturday, everything for the most part is closed except in Tel Aviv, you know, they it's the secular city, you know, but nonetheless, it's a very quiet society. So it frees you up. But in our society nowadays, and that probably changed probably in the early 90s more so, but people go to work. It's just a part of the, the society now. It's hard to get a day off for that. Uh, sports are involved. You know, I'll be honest with you. It's hard for some churches to have a service because the Vikings are going to be playing. They're playing tomorrow. But nonetheless, the Vikings are playing, you know, those things are in competition you look at other uh, sports activities for our youth, for example, there's something that's grabbing our attention at every moment. And then just regular activities, family reunions, whatever it may be. There's a lot of things that are buying for attention. And usually what happens to church, it becomes, uh, it's not a priority. That's what happens. It kind of gets put on the back burner. So with all these things, you got discouragement, disappointment, disinformation, distraction, and then there's the fifth one. And that's why don't some Christians go to attend church? Because of disobedience. They simply refuse to attend. It's interesting that, what do we mean by that? Uh, back a few years ago, uh, the Pew Research Center uh, made a survey of churches and those who, who claim to be Christians but were non-attenders. So I'm going to ask you this. What do you think is the percentage loosely right now of those who claim to be Christians here in the United States? What would you say? 20 percent it's actually around 75 give or take of those who claim to be christian okay now that number is declining i will say you got more nominal or even atheistic christians happening okay but it's those who at least claim to be christian whether they go to church or not okay that's what they do so but out of that it's interesting about 46 percent say that uh they one of the reasons of non-church attenders those that claim to be christians who don't go to church this is their reason 46 percent say i worship in my own way but i got a question for you i am i've heard that many times i'll go worship god i'll, I'll worship i am at my church of the deer stand in a few weeks okay uh, if you are in your deer stand you can tune in the service that's why we have live stream okay you can't escape it but nonetheless you worship in your own way but what does that mean what does that mean you know back when we the, during the pandemic, a lot of churches, including here, we, we had live stream services, things like that. And I'm very thankful for that. A lot of churches still still do that. There's a lot of churches who didn't have anything like that before. And because of the pandemic, they started doing that. But you know, the, while that is a, a, a help, it really doesn't take the place of that personal in-gathering that we have. It really doesn't. Let me ask you this. How can we celebrate the ordinances together? How can you have the Lord's Supper and baptism? When you're virtually connected, not personally connected. How can you worship, sing together, pray together, give together, meet each other, pray with one another? It's hard to do that virtually. And now I will say there's some people who, for what, various reasons, maybe that's the only thing they can do. Uh, do you remember uh, when Brother Bennett was here for the missions conference? We had Craig. Craig was the deaf man who was here that that Friday night. Okay. Craig lives up in, in the Brainerd area. He's He's deaf and there's no deaf ministry no deaf church up in that area at all he's called about everyone he knows about he knows where all the deaf churches are in minnesota here in in minneapolis there's a couple churches that might have a deaf outreach but it's a different thing for him his church he tunes into a church in ohio that has a deaf ministry you know and that's that's a mission field i will say that's a mission field but really what should be in the norm the norm according to god's plan is to have a personal in gathering here together and that's what we see here by that so This really brings the question. This really brings the question on this. Okay, church attendance, is it important? Nod your head, yes, okay? All right, but here's a question. This was asked to me um, a couple of weeks ago by someone not not here, a different area. And the question was this, it was a sincere question. Do I need to go to church in order to be saved? That's an interesting question. They they were sincerely asking that. Do I need to go to church uh, in order to be saved, in order to go to heaven, to be right with God? well the bottom line is we know this that church attendance is not essential to salvation there's nothing the bible says you have to go to church and do this and do that and other things in order to be saved we don't see that however it's essential i believe church attendance is essential to promote a believer's spiritual growth okay so here's the thing it is an outward church attendance is a or or gathering i'm gonna use the word gathering it's a outward indication of an inward condition. All right, it's an outward indication of an inward condition. In other words, because you are saved, it's natural then to assemble, to gather with other believers, to fellowship with the body of Christ. That's what that's what it's about. So, what is the church about? Let's talk foundationally this. The local church I'm going to be sp- speaking more specifically here about the local church. The local church is God's plan For the body of Christ. The word church in in Greek is ekklesia. It means a called out assembly. The church was built by Jesus Christ. Okay, It's headed by Jesus Christ. Christ is the head of the church. Uh, He's the savior of the body. Uh, The church is also called the pillaring ground of the truth. A church is made up of... who, Who makes up the church then? Who makes up the church? The church is made up of born again and baptized believers. We see that pattern, especially if you look at the book of Acts. Okay, those that gladly received his word were baptized and were added to them 3,000 souls. That's Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. And we see that pattern repeated. So, a church, a local church, is made up of, especially here at a Baptist church, we're made up of born again, praise God, and baptized believers. Baptism itself does not say, but it is also a first step of obedience. If you're here today, you've never been baptized. You said, I'm. I, you know, that is a, that is what God expects you to do, okay? It's the natural thing to do, to follow him in believers' baptism. What a joy that is to see that. It's an outward declaration of what Christ has done inside you. Pretty amazing when you think about that. And so one statistic I heard of is this, that uh, I think it was John MacArthur who said this, that his estimation, I don't know how accurate it is, his estimation from his ministry is that about 50% of those who claim to be christians have never been baptized 50 percent. think about that are we missing the boat on that here are Baptist, by the way we have a baptistry it's hidden under here we'll be glad to fill it up okay uh let god work in our church that way it's amazing it's a blessing a church then as made up of born-again believers is also led god has put in place godly pastors and deacons to serve as well for on behalf of the church as the under shepherd Uh, The church also has the responsibility of carrying out the ordinances, as we mentioned, the baptism and and the Lord's Supper. The church is a place of growth and fellowship. It's a place of discipline and discipleship. The church is called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. These are just some basic things about the church. But I want us to look at two aspects here, kind of highlighting these verses now. And first of all, there is what I call the principle of our gathering and then the purpose of our gathering. The principle of our gathering, look with me in verse 24 again. Hebrews 10. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. The principle or the concept here, and I like what uh, Jameson Fawcett Brown says in his commentary. The assembling or gathering of ourselves for Christian communion in private and in public is an earnest, or a taste of our being, to gathered, being gathered together uh, to him as his, at his appearing. Okay, so in other words, this gathering that we have here of believers is a taste of heaven out of every kinder tongue people and nation a multitude redeemed by the blood of his lamb that's what heaven's going to be like folks when you come together you should be excited because guess what we get to spend all eternity in heaven together look at one another get to know what get on each other's good side now all right i I remember it's been some years ago now someone asked me well what do you what what, what if i have conflict with another person in the church i said you know what god has a sense of humor he's gonna make you next door neighbors in heaven so so work it out now okay (laughs) but anyways this is a taste of of what we're going to be experiencing glory that fellowship that we have and our fellowship is based on not just a common interest i mean not all of us here are even vikings fans okay love you dave we don't have just a common interest, but we have a we have a savior. We have one faith, one Lord, one baptism. We praise God for that, okay? So another purpose here is union, having unity and strength, continual assemblings together that begin to foster love and give opportunities to provoke or literally to stir up one another to good works. You know, usually when you have the idea of being stirred up, that's the idea here in provoke when it says here in verse 24, to stir up one another. A lot of times people are stirred up to do things that are wrong. Usually it has a negative connotation, but here it's a positive connotation. We stir up one another to, to do good things, to provoke one another to love and to good works. And that happens here. Here's an interesting quote by Ignatius, an early church father who said this, when you frequently and in numbers meet together, the power of, powers of Satan are overthrown and his mischief is neutralized by your like-mindedness in, in the faith there's a great reason why we're here together and guess what when we do it in the name of the lord and following the lord guess what that overthrows satan's devices praise god for that remember the armor of god we went through the armor of god passage about a year ago now yeah anyways it feels like it was last week but nonetheless the idea of standing firm is the idea that we're not standing for just as an individual soldier we're standing together as an army that's the church okay And here's the thing, to neglect such assemblies, to forsake the assembling of ourselves together might end in apostasy. We gotta be careful of that. The idea here also to consider one another, the one another here is speaking of mutual activity, which encourages believers, uh, one another, not one where just a leader directs and the rest do what you're told. But the idea is this, that we work together. It's a mutual activity together. God's will for your life is not just to sit on a pew in Victory Baptist Church. We are here to mutually edify, to work with one another, pray with one another, encourage one another. This is, this is an ongoing thing. You're not here just to listen to me, folks. Become involved. When we have singing, sing and do it to the Lord. When you give, give unto the Lord. When you pray, do it with all your heart to the Lord. When you hear the word of God being presented, listen and engage in that. Talk about it. Have a cup of coffee with it, whatever you need to do, but do it together. That's the beauty that we have here at the church. What this also fosters is love. Love itself needs stimulation in society. You can say, I love God and be a hermit. Well, it's hard to love unless you just like yourself. But here's the thing. How can you express love? You do it in a community and fellowship one with another. So very important. We're not called to be hermit folks. We're called to be here as a family, to gather together in our growth. So we talked about the principle of our gathering, now the purpose, that's in verse 25 not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So here's the thing, forsaking fellowship gives way to discouragement. Discouragement then hinders our exhorting one another. Exhorting is the word parakaleo in Greek, which is the word for comfort or comforter. One who comes alongside uh, to encourage is the idea. When you're exhorting one another, you're encouraging one another. And this is what you do. Our motivation, here's the question, why do you go to church? Have you thought that? You came this morning, all right? You attended online, all right? Why did you go to church? Our motivation for fellowship and gathering must be to obey God and to give to others. Did you know that? You came here to give, not just to your offering, but also you're, you're here to give to one another. This is not a one-sided relationship, folks, okay? Very important, we give to one another. We gather together to encourage each other to stand strong against a tide of discouragement. Your presence, whether you realize it or not, encourages one another. It encourages your pastor. When I see you here, okay, or I meet you somewhere else, that encourages me in all that. I like what um, one commentator says. He put a couple bullet points here. He says, we gather to receive something from God. We gather to give something to God. We gather to encourage each other by our shared faith and values. We gather to bless one another, and we gather to work together. Here's the bottom line is this. We gather to worship God. Self gets checked at the door, folks. We gather to worship God. Christians, they gather as well to stand against serious dangers, persecution, heresy, idolatry, and the world's influence. This is why it's important for us to stand... You're leaving this. We I, we got a, maybe an hour or two with you. If you come to the other services, you add maybe two more hours. Let's say, let's be very generous. Let's say five hours if you come to every single service a preaching, teaching, exhortation, things like that. And now you got the rest of the week to deal with the onslaught from the world and other pressures that are out there. Isn't it important that we gather together? We need to do that. Now, we're not perfect, folks. We're not, we won't see that until we get to heaven. But as we see this here, it's important for us to come together to follow the Lord. And we do this, why? As we see the day approaching. It says here in the end of verse 24, and so much the more, even more so, as you say, see the day approaching. Here's the thing, as Jesus returns drawn, Jesus returns drawn near, we, we need to pray that we would be more committed to the fellowship of God's people. I believe Jesus is coming soon, amen? With everything, oh amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus, with everything going on in this world. And with that in mind, isn't it more important that we gather together than ever before? Think of it from that perspective. Be committed to the fellowship of God's people, to the gathering, assembling ourselves together. Here's the thing, your gathering matters. Your gathering matters. Don't take your church attendance or church membership lightly. So let's talk briefly about church membership. What does that mean? A lot of times when people think about church membership or a lot of times it's presented, It's more like a country club mentality. Man, if I join this church, man, I get my own favorite seat. I get my own parking spot. I even got my own mug downstairs for the coffee, you know? It's like privileges that you get like at a country club. That's a lot, in many cases, that's how it's presented in, in different churches or even different denominations. But here's the thing, I believe church membership is not ownership, it's stewardship. Church membership is not ownership, it's stewardship. We steward together with the grace of God that we have between us. Church membership matters. We see that pattern uh, in the early church, even, that uh, believers join local churches. 3,000 were saved and baptized, and then were added unto them, unto that local church, okay? It also identifies believers as members of the body of Christ. That's what it's about. So when you become a member, it's not becoming a member of a country club. Membership is really talking about, what, how does the Bible talk about members? Like parts of the body. Someone's a hand, someone's an eye, someone's an ear, someone's a foot. Each person has a role in the church, in the body, in the family. That's what we talk about membership. Folks, it's not a list of who is who. That's not what it's about. It's a place of service. That's what church membership is about. Biblically speaking, it's a membership like that. Okay. Also, membership unifies believers as a family of faith. How good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It also illustrates the testimony of believers as unto Christ. Christ is the head of the church, the savior of the body. Just as the husband is the head of the home, so Christ is the head of the church, and we submit ourselves unto his authority. Also, it provides accountability under spiritual authority, under pastors and and deacons and those that are there. And I'm here to lord everyone. No, absolutely not. You know who's in charge of this church? It's not me. It's God. And we follow his lead, Okay i do as paul says follow me as i follow christ that's what it's about okay we also church membership calls for the responsible care of the people and property of the church we share what's in common with one another we help each other out as well it promotes the spiritual philosophy of the church and also protects the businesses and operations of the church matters of voting officers that's just the practicality of it as well so church membership matters it really does but here's the bottom line of this growing in our christian faith this helps promote our growth our spiritual growth in christ how important in this day and age that we need to see believers grow not just to sit on a pew just say yeah i went to church on sunday morning i'm good i'm good for the week now folks when does the christian life stop it doesn't okay you leave these doors you don't become an unchristian unless you are not even saved to begin with okay that's another issue but here's the thing, if you are here as a child of God, you are saved, you're on your way to heaven, it's only natural for you to have a desire to gather with your brothers and sisters in Christ to do what? Worship our great and wonderful God. That's what this is. Let us grow as we gather. have to ask this question as we kind of close up today is this, well, we talked about the church and who's in and all that. But what about you? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior? Do you know for sure that your sins are taken care of? Jesus came to this world to die on a cruel and rugged cross for your sins and for mine. You know, all of us have that dark heart of sin. You and I can't clean that. I uh, Even as a pastor, I can't take care of your sin problem. But I can point you to the one who can't. That's Jesus, who shed his blood on that cruel cross. He died, he was buried, and he rose again the third day, triumphant over sin and over death. And he calls upon the whole world to come and to believe on him, to trust in him for their salvation. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, shall be delivered, shall be rescued from their sins. If you're here today, you've never done that. You've never made that decision for Christ. Today you can. And your life will be changed forever. And your life will be abundantly blessed for that. For those who've been saved five minutes or five years or 500 years, you can attest to that testimony. I pray you can. Never forget that moment. But now, as we are walk in the faith let's walk together as a church going in one direction the way of the lord